So y'all seen the money going in the wrong direction? You know, it's like you do, but then you don't acknowledge it. All of a sudden, the first lady has like lubricants, and you're like, how can you afford that? Because people literally like walking to church don't have a car. This is how I feel. If I'm if I'm preaching God's word, mm-hmm. and He told me that I am to be prosperous, mm-hmm. if I'm a pastor, I'm gonna need you not to be focused on what I got. Be genuinely happy for other people, man, because they open doors for you too. You need to find a teacher that's already been there that you can learn from. I don't care where you come from, what your upbringing was, what it looked like. Believe that you are great. Yo, yes, man, everything you say they agree with instead of correcting you, you have the wrong crowd. Welcome back to another episode of the Circle of Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stanley K. Harvey, and what we bring to the table is bomb people with amazing conversations that possibly can change your life. And today we in the building with... Nishan. You got Nikki H.G. Jaira. <laughs> okay, that's who we have in the building today. And right now, uh, we just getting in, we just getting started, and we just kind of basically going over what we're going to talk about. But the first thing I want to ask, or the first thing I want to say today, is we're going to do the same thing we did last time and just say uh, what you're grateful for for today. Okay, so I started off today with. I'll be saying I'm grateful for just uh, myself, myself being dedicated. And even though when things get tough, I still stand up and I go do what I got to do to make things happen. And I appreciate myself, man. And I, I just see that in myself every day because it's been kind of tight for me lately. So I see myself stepping up, doing whatever it takes to make sure I do the things that make things change for me. That's good. Um, I'm grateful for rest today. I was able to rest all day today, and that was big for me. I didn't. I left the house once, um, but normally I can't even sit in the house when I have opportunity to. So that was big for me. I had an opportunity to explode today, so I'm grateful <laughs> that I was able that I've been working intentionally on self control and uh, not to react uh, the way everyone used to, but um, yeah, so I did not react in that way. So um, I even cried because it was like, <laughs> you know, so, but I'd rather do that than explode. Explode. Good job, Mom. Progress. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say today I'm probably grateful for opportunities. Um, just kind of like with work, the kind of job I have is so much better than all the jobs I've had in the past, just environment and everything. And so today I was just kind of feeling real appreciative of that. So. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> New job, who did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to go and get in. I'll let Nikki explain the uh, um, breakdown of the conversation so, you know, everybody can have their idea of what's going on. And- well, we're back again. We're here to bring awareness, like, all the time. So today we're going to be talking about church hurt or red flags of maybe a cult or just being in the wrong place, um, not knowing. So we'll be expressing those things, giving pointers of red flags. That's what we'll be talking about today. And how to get out um, and learn who God is for yourself, build a new relationship with God. Um, it's not the end if you have been through some church hurt. So that's our goal today. So, this is me on the outside looking in. Church hurt is a real thing. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like a relationship hurt. Like It's a real thing. Um, I was thinking on the way here, though, a lot of us, because we, we take church hurt and we, I mean, that's a everybody's church hurt today. You know, oh, my pastor said this and I'm hurt. Like, okay, you know, we're not going to find a perfect church. We put too much. We put 
pastors on pedestals. We think that they're on a cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been called by God, mm-hmm. but they're not God. Yeah. And so to me, that's a red flag too. When you are called to honor, when you're honoring your pastor more than you are God, when it's about your pastor more than it is God, then to me, that's a red flag. And so I think that it's easy to get hurt because we, we put them too high up, you know, and we should come there for one thing. I'm coming to get the word. I take my notes. I'm going home. I'm going to look up those scriptures for myself, apply the word and use it in my life the way it fits my life. Not a, letting a pastor or any man just come in like, this is the way you do it. This is what it means. I don't care who it is. You should take scripture for yourself. And I tell everybody, if I give you a word, you take it to the Bible and you look it up. Yeah. If it's a word from God, it's in the, it's in the word. So you look it up and it should relate. You know what I mean? So not just because pastor said, grandma said, mama said, like you need to know the word for yourself. And you'll be able to then know like, mm, yeah, like she we just spoke of that's not right mm-hmm. you know yeah so is it always pastor or it be other people too that be a part of it it could oh. be yeah i in my experience it wasn't only the pastor it was also his family and then anything kind of what's closest to the top so pastor pastor's family mm-hmm. leadership anybody who is appointed by the leadership in the church um, can have influence, that negative influence over you, because in a sense, you're still looking at this, quote-unquote, hierarchy in the church. So the baseline is regular saint, regular church member, and then anything above that, you know, if given, you know, authority or if given um, influence or intention from whoever that negative influence is at the top can have that, you know, effect on you or influence. So how old was you when you realized it was affecting you? Um, For me, it was pretty recent. I'm 25 right now, and I believe it hit me when I was 22. Um, I recently um, left a church that I was at since I was 13. Um, So I spent a lot of time there. And um, so I pretty much was at that church from the age of 13 to 23, so about 10 years. And um, it didn't really – I feel like God was never really able to reveal it to me sooner just because I was too young and too impressionable. And I don't think I was ever at the place until I really was at the age of like 22, 23 to actually fully understand and fully acknowledge and see the truth of the environment I was in. So his word, well, I'm not sure how I go with the pastor or the family. The words be so powerful. That's more trusting than God. Um, in my experience, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think piggybacking off of what um, Nikki said, um, you know, you have, you come to church to get a word, you come to church to hear from God, and you look to the pastor, you look to the leadership as God-appointed people. And in my experience, you have people preaching the word of God, but their interpretations are jaded. And so it's like, I can go and look in the word and I'll see the scripture they reference word for word. And I can see, you know, everything. But if that interpretation is wrong, I'm not really going to understand it any other way unless I'm asking God. But also if I'm not leaning on God solely for that interpretation, the understanding, and I'm more so leaning on who I'm supposed to quote unquote lean on, I'm expecting that that interpretation is going to be the one that I should use and the go truth. by. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's the thing, because they are the ones, like you say, they head. So mm-hmm. automatically you like, oh, okay, I understand. It's true mm-hmm. through them. So mm-hmm. 
I get what you're saying. A lot of people are um, are being pastors today. Not many are called. You know, people just decide this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go open up this church, and you know, um, we're not ready for that. That's a huge responsibility um, to have a flock. Um, that you have to train, lead, you know, and and that's the scary part for me because you're going to have to stand before God for those people that you was leading or supposed to be, however you was leading them, you know, so a lot are not ready, but I just don't want to get the confusion of church hurt because like I said, we take it so everybody, I'm church, they're church hurt or they stop going to church just because Mm -hmm. they don't like the way something was preached, something simple, but I want you to give us some of the some red flags to know that you're maybe uh, in a church that's not mm-hmm. anointed by God, or that you're in a cult, or somewhere you shouldn't you don't belong. Yeah, um, for me, I didn't really come into like understanding of what I was dealing with until after I got out. So as me and my family were making the progress of getting out, I came across this post on Instagram that was talking about manipulation and specifically manipulation um, in the church and by leadership. And so they pointed out, um, I think it was like a list of 10 things. I probably should have looked it up before I got here. (laughs) Um, it was like a list of 10 things that you can look out for. And literally I was reading through it and I was like, wow, I've literally experienced all of this. Um, and, um, or I was, I witnessed somebody else experience it. Um, and I think first and foremost, you have to be aware of what manipulation is. I think it's a very, um, wicked skill because it's I mean it really is the serpent because it you know it looks like and it sounds like something that it's totally not and so for me um I would (laughs) I would say um a red flag would be manipulation but also you kind of have to be aware of what that is to be able to recognize it um another red flag would probably be um I can't think of any of the time. A person that's not teaching out of the Bible. How about that? Yeah, Um, yeah, that's a good one. Or when you when you say when you use the scripture and then you begin to make it personal, where Mm -hmm. you know you're pointing Mm -hmm. to the congregation. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, last night you did this, or you didn't give this, or Mm -hmm. you know, uh, things like that. Like I take the word, but we don't serve a God. Our God is not here to condemn us. He's a compassionate father. So if we're making him a convicting father, or if you don't live this straight line, God is this, or God is angry with you, or God, those are red flags to tell someone God is angry with them. Like when Jesus went on a cross, that was over. No more anger, you know? Um, So things like that are to tell you that you have to deal with me. You have to talk to the pastors, not your parents. Um, you got to come through us to yeah. date. You yeah. can't talk to someone outside of the building. Mm-hmm. That's a huge red mm-hmm. flag. That's mm-hmm. a cult. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can't go outside of these walls. Mm-hmm. It's a cult. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I wish you could find those 10 things. But just yeah. really, I want you to, ex- what was your experience? Like, when I you think, left yeah. and you seen, what yeah. did you see after you left? And how yeah. did you, yeah. how are you blinded? And what took the blinders off? Okay, well, uh, firstly, before I even get to that point, I was going to say another red flag that came up while you were talking um, is angry preaching. Um, I know we're all human, and I know that pastors have a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight that they carry, but you still have to have some kind of um, parameters to contain yourself to make sure that whenever you're on the pulpit that whatever you're preaching is what God wants to say. And I've seen in the past my old pastor angry preach a lot 
church isn't doing what he wants them to do, angry preaching. And it's like, it gets so intense that scripture's not mentioned. <laughs> it gets so intense that, you know, no, you know, kind of biblical agenda is mentioned. It's literally just me expressing how I feel about the church across the pulpit. So that's a definite red flag. Um, for me, um, you were asking how I went from basically being um, blinded to now everything see. being unveiled. So for me, when I left my church, it was during COVID. Um, when it first hit um, and everything had to shut down, everybody had to be isolated. And that couldn't have been a more perfect time for me because um, a lot of people look at isolation as a negative thing, but you see a lot of times in the Bible where God literally has to separate people and get them alone in order to have an experience or to see things. And so that's what COVID was for me and my family. We literally were at home just like everybody else, watching TV for church just like everybody else. And in that time, um, the leadership and the first family and the pastor didn't have control over the church because everybody has to be home. So the most influence you have is whatever you broadcast. And um, because of that, it made them very angry. And I started to see a lot of that Matt preaching. And I started to see a lot of things where it's like you can only contain who you are for so long. Eventually, it's going to come out given the right situation. And this was the right situation. And so I started to see a lot of attitude. I started to see a lot of negativity. I started to see a lot of the things that I didn't realize at the time that they were covering up just in how they felt. And I started to examine that. I'm like, okay, that's not that great that's mm, you probably shouldn't be doing that and so I kind of started to um, just pay more attention to things that I prior didn't recognize or didn't even see um, and through that I spent a lot of alone time with God and God started to reveal things to me um, I started to have experiences with one-on-one -on -one with individuals that totally went um in a way that I've never expected them to. I had a conversation with someone, and I remember um, I was actually in the car with my dad. We were going fishing. Sorry. Sorry, time. Um, <laughs> we were going fishing, and I remember having this urge. Um, I was kind of like an assistant, also kind of just like really close to this person who was a leader in the church. They were also the pastor's daughter. And um, I just felt this nudge from God to remove myself from that person. And I didn't know why, and I was like, man, what am I going to tell them? Like, I can't be your sense anymore because God says so like yeah but I also wanted to have an excuse you know I wanted to have a reason to give and I was in the car with my dad and I was just pondering on it I didn't realize I started meditating um and God spoke to me and he said you're idolizing this person mm -hmm. and I didn't realize it um and I think obviously it's like the Bible says you know have no other God but me and so you're never gonna want to idolize somebody you know that's not God but I literally did it and I didn't even realize I was doing it and so God literally told me and I was like wow and from that point on it kind of really everything kind of got unveiled and so I took that <laughs> and I had a conversation with that person and I basically told them hey you know I can't be your assistant anymore da 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 um and immediately I told them, I said, you know, I can't be your assistant anymore because I'm idolizing you. And, you know, you're not the problem, but, you know, I'm idolizing you. That's a problem. And 
immediately that person was super defensive, super upset. And this is somebody who's a leader. So you would think that if you tell your pastor or your leadership in your church, hey, I'm idolizing you, they'd be like, hey, I understand. I don't want you to have any other gods. You know what I'm saying? I'll back up, take your time. You do what you got to do. They were like, who did you talk to about this? Um, I don't understand. Da, da, da. They were just so mad. And in that moment, and they kept trying to put words in my mouth to make the situation what it wasn't. And in that moment, I saw that person's true colors, and I was like, wow, okay, this is what God's talking about. And since then, I really started to see people for how they really were. Um, And that's kind of how it happened for me. Um, It's kind of hard to dismiss what's clear when (laughs) God shows you something. So, yeah, without going into too much detail, that's kind of how How did you and your family get out of the church? Um, Well, we stayed isolated um, from lockdown all the way up until like, uh, our last service was, um, Easter of 2021. So we pretty much during that time going through everything we went through, everything we experienced, we decided we're just not going to go back. Um, and it was a lot of back and forth because where are we going to go? But we also understood that one, I can't keep putting my money into this. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Two, um, this isn't where I want to be. They treat me and my family horrible. Um, they don't care about us. They don't check up on us. And the funny thing is, is so we went back on Easter. And I guess because the some of the church was going, but a lot of people weren't, um, just because we're all afraid of COVID and we don't want to get COVID. And so um, we went back, and literally people were so surprised to see us. They were like, acting as if we were no longer going to the church. But I'm like, first of all, your pastor sees my tithes. I still tithe. Like, I still go here. And so that was kind of like the, yeah, we're, we're done. We're done. Um, but there were a lot of things that kind of happened in between. But the most that I can say is just that I started to see people's true colors. So did besides your family with other families did all y'all enjoy each other i know you're saying everybody watching them but beyond them watching them did everybody kind of mingle together i think it's one of those things where it's like when you go through similar tragedy or similar um hardships the hardships bring you closer together Mm -hmm. um i mean i think the church family enjoyed each other but when certain people came around it brought in the totally different energy you yeah. just didn't want to be around it but when that person wasn't around you had a ball yeah, when that person yeah. came around it was like mm, everybody tightened up I'm gonna go home <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah so was it fun at times though or how you say you've been there from almost yeah since I was 13 uh to 23 23 oh, yeah. 10 years yeah so yeah. you had enjoyable times there huh? I did um and I think for me the majority of the time was bliss. There was a lot of times where things were happening around me and literally I'm pretty sure God shielded me from it because people would be like, oh, this happened. I'm like, what? I didn't even see it. I was just right there. You know, like things happen and I wasn't even aware. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there were definitely good times, but the funny thing is, it's like now that, you know, the church is no longer open. It's no longer open. Yeah literally is as if it never existed. Um, and a lot of the members kind of just spread out amongst the city we live in and went to other churches. And so literally I can't say I still have a relationship with anybody mm-hmm. from the church. Um, and I'm not surprised, you know, because. So out of everybody. 
Yeah, pretty much. It is just, you know, it's like you go through those hardships together and that brings you closer while you're there. But like the relationships, I don't think could have grown past what they were just because it wasn't built on anything like good, you know? Yeah. So how did you and your family get to the church? Um, yeah. So, um, I actually was the first person to join the church. Yeah. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Um, yeah, I was in, um, middle school and one of the pastor's daughters attended the same school that me and my sister did. Her family taught a Bible study once a week, um, in the mornings. And so we would just go, um, and we just started going to the church. And so I think, I don't think God totally wasn't there, right? If I hadn't experienced that Bible study, I would have never gotten in, probably never gotten to church or it would have been a lot longer down the line. Um, so I'm not totally upset about the experience that I had because I know that in the midst of all that chaos and horribleness, God found me, you know? Um, so yeah, um, was like 12, um, going to these Bible studies. And eventually, um, I kind of made my mind up to be pretty consistent at the age of 13. Um, and yeah, I just started going. So you, Hey mom, y'all want to come? Yeah. Praying, fasting for my family to get into church because I didn't grow up in church. Um, we, we were the kind of family where we were like, Oh yeah, we believe in God. We don't go to church at all. We don't even go for Easter, Christmas. We don't go to church at all, but we obviously know the universe isn't in control of the world. Um, and so just praying and fasting for my family and, um, God's presence definitely was there. We experienced a lot of, um, supernatural things that I believe to be real. I mean, my family, I, you know, went to that church, was baptized, filled with the Holy ghost, my mom, my sister, um, (laughs) and even my dad kind (laughs) of, we're still working on him, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. It's two things that I say about uh, that when you said I don't believe that God wasn't there. Today I say um, it's a few pastors that I used to watch that mm-hmm. I don't watch anymore. I'm really not mm-hmm. into new age pastors, but mm-hmm. um, that I don't watch anymore. And now I feel like the presence wasn't there, but I feel like it was at a point when I was watching them. Yeah. And so in a Bible when God used, you know, the verse that said, uh, you're going to come and be like, Lord, Lord. And he said, I don't know you. What do you mean? Like I healed in your name. I, you know, did this in your name. I did that in your name. No, you know, God would bring his presence mm-hmm. because he loved you all that much sitting in a congregation, mm-hmm. even if they're not really teaching mm-hmm. the word of God or two, I think people start off and they really are called, they're anointed. Yeah. And what I'm seeing today this is not just here around the world. A lot of the younger pastors, they're taking off so fast and they're blowing up so big Mm -hmm. that I think the world gets to them. Mm -hmm. So now they do want to be idolized. Mm -hmm. The reason the enemy, the the reason Satan got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be that, you know, and he wanted to be God versus, you know, I want you to praise me. Give me this. I give you anything you want. Just bow down and and praise me, you know, and that's how it is in the world with these pastors today. They want to be praised. And it's like, this is why we do not take credit. Like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing no, I'm, I'm nothing without God. I give him all the credit cause it keeps you humble, mm-hmm. you know, and we get lost off in, in a sauce when we want to, it's me, it's me. I'm the man, I'm the man, you know? Uh, and it's easy to do. I mean, God have used me in ways mm-hmm. that I can pray for people in, in the miracles happen. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for you. You know, they'd be like, man, thank God, thank God. You know, because, but you do like, man, it's just a feeling to feel good to number one, just do the will of God, mm-hmm. you know, and see, cause to me, I tell people, if miracles not happen in your church, 
Yeah. You know, if I'm not seeing people getting healed, if I'm not seeing certain things, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm cool because we still have a miracle working guy. He does miracles. And well, that's the thing. I would agree. Um, I think I definitely noticed a shift. Like there was a point where I think intentions were well somewhere and God was present, but there was definitely a shift where it was like, okay, I don't really think God is here at all. Um, and once our church started kind of getting more publicity and maybe more members with more money and, um, it started to seem like the, you know, first family kind of financially came up more. It started becoming more of a, let's glorify them. Let's bless them a whole lot more. We're so appreciative of our first family. It's like, yeah, you know, that's great to honor, you know, your pastors, but like to a certain extent, you know, um, oh, dang, I was going to say something I totally <laughs> forgot. Um, Oh, okay. For certain people, did you ever see anybody come back and try to warn you on, like, hey, this don't seem like that left and then came back? That ever happened? Um, not to me. Yeah. Um, to certain individuals, but I didn't find that out till later. Um, what I did find out later is that um, a lot of people that we were trying to have join our church because we had a lot of young people in our church, um, which reminds me what you were saying about not seeing miracles. Um, I saw a lot of the supernatural things that happened weren't from the hands of the leadership. It was really from, like, the people in the congregation. Mm -hmm. And so I think that says a lot now, looking back at it. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, there were a lot of people who um, later, after we got out, um, that came to our church that we're still friends with, expressed to us that God literally warned them about our church. Mm -hmm. But we weren't really in the place to receive it if they would have mm -hmm. told us. We were too locked in mentally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but afterwards, they were like, yeah, like, you know, God said this, and I had this dream, and God literally told me, like, no, nah, this isn't it. And I was just like, wow. And it's funny because we never really, like, got a consistent um, following of church members beyond, like, 100 people, including children. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think that was very on purpose. God's not going to let a place grow where you're hurting people and you're mm -hmm. doing more bad than good. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. But, yeah, people, we just weren't, we were too locked in. Yeah, it seemed like y'all was really looking for God, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sad part yeah. because these are vulnerable people. It's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So now I've never been to church. So the first thing I hear, I believe. 13. You know, so that's, that's the part that angers me. Like, uh, you're... Uh, being deceiving to people that don't know better. And then she gets her family in there and they don't know any better. The mom don't know any better. And um, once Nishan, you got some pointers, because we, we need to get to some pointers for people to know what's red flags. But I want you to share how you guys met with us and shared, you know, yeah. what was going on. Yeah, okay. Uh, this was a post going around on Facebook, maybe maybe a month and a half ago. Um, and it was like 30 signs of like an abusive church or leader being in a cult. I won't read all of them, all of them. Cause you guys hit on a lot of them. Um, but, um, a couple of them are just say only they have the ability to hear from God. And I've heard that a couple of times too. Like you tell your pastor something and they shut it down. Cause it's like, Oh, only I can, mm. only God speaks to me as if, yeah, you're like a gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And that's like, that's, that's not how God it's is. Praying in the spirit too. Remember that one. Uh, said only we uh nobody else was able to pray in the spirit in their church mm, i didn't hear that one um 
they use the prof- prophetic to manipulate you, which is what you said earlier. Um, what they say is law, and you can't have an opinion about what they say. You're not allowed to attend any conferences outside of the church. Um, I've heard that people not being allowed to speak to other pastors or listen to other pastors. It's like you listen to me, and I've encountered a lot of people. Where I say, do you listen to Robert Madu or, or my pastor or whatever? And they're like, only person I listen to is my own pastor. And it's like, it's okay to learn from different people, especially different seasons of life and things like that. Um, they feel they're the only ones who have divine revelation. They focus heavily on titles and not on Jesus. Um, and I'll skip to the end of the list here. It says the pastor is quick to call you daughter or son, but doesn't know you at all. Mandatory prayer meetings that are really a wit are really are a witch hunt or some malicious prayer against somebody who left the church. They put the before the title, the prophet, the apostle. Um, and then one of the last ones I read is they preach Saul and David via touch not my anointed anointed to incite fear um, into people. But that list would like to see so many of friends that I have on Facebook that I might not talk to every day or whatever to see the amount of people that shared that they just realized they were in a cult or that post helped them realize they were in a cult and have left an organization or a church or something. is just like, like you said earlier, it's mind blowing to me um, that people really don't realize it, but God loves us so much. He'll put people in your pathway to help you get out of situations and minister to other people. And just like we're doing here today to help people who might not necessarily know what the next step, next step is or what they should do to get out. Um, But like God is bigger than your pastor. (laughs) He's bigger than your church, your congregation. Um, And like I said, he loves you just that much. Yeah. You were going to say something, Jaira? Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's funny. Um, some of those points are reminding me of this um, technique that they would do. Um, didn't realize until after. Uh, but basically, whenever they knew somebody was about to leave the church because they didn't have some kind of bad experience or they didn't show their tail to somebody, and that person's like, yeah, I'm going to go, um, they would preach a word and basically say oh there's about to be a purging in the church and mm-hmm. anybody who you know doesn't really want to live for God and want to be here God's gonna purge them out move them out the way and all this kind of stuff and it's like okay um you know nah, there's probably no scripture for that that you can use because wow. you never really used any um and then people will leave and we'd be like wow that person backslider you know and um on top of that it's like, okay, well, how often God going to purge the church? Because we only got, like, 50 solid <laughs> members. And, like, we got to retain, you know, some. And um, I remember they did the same thing when we were about to leave. And the sermon that they used, and it hurt my feelings so much. Um, there's a story, and I'm going to quote it horribly. Um, but it talks about wheat and tares. And basically, um, that's obviously not a job for humans, right? That's a job for angels. That's a job for God to discern between wheat and tares and they were basically saying you know we're about to see the wheat and the tares in the church and da 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 da. and it really hurt my feelings because I was like wow you're really doing this you know like I've been here since I was 13 like loyal consistent you know paying my ties what ties what little ties you do have at 13 you know and it really hurt my feelings because I was like wow I'm one of them now and everybody in this church that I didn't grew with had good times with is going to think I'm a backslider. Mm. Um, and when I went to the church I'm at now, which has been a blessing and I really feel like God is there. I know God's there. It's not really a feeling at this point. Um, one of the first sermons he preached was that story. Totally different interpretation. And I was just so broken because I was like, wow, they really had an agenda to target me and my family and whoever else was leaving. Horrible. Um, 
but um, yeah, how we met you guys. So you guys are kind of always been around. We weren't really uh, allowed to befriend you guys just because um, some of the daughters of the first family met you guys first. Uh, we kind of all met you guys at the same time, but they kind of tried to shield you guys and kind of keep, you know, be selfish and keep you guys to themselves. Um, you didn't know that, but that's what was happening. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because they would tell us like, oh, they don't want to hang out. You know, they don't want to hang out with y'all. They da, 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 da. Stuff like that. Crazy. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, it was definitely a God ordained thing because you guys kept showing up and I kept showing up. And um, I don't know. How did you guys come around when we decided to kind of just like leave? You guys were with my girls. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was at the Inspire or something. Mm -hmm. You guys met with them. Okay. I think you guys was reaching out. You okay. said you wanted to hang out with them or something, I believe. Mm -hmm. So when you guys was talking that night, wherever you guys were, you said, uh, one of you, you, I don't know if it was you or your sister, but I wish you could meet your mom. You know, mm. she spoke at Inspire and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I And y'all called me that night, and yeah. I met you guys right here in this coffee shop yeah, the next yeah, day with yeah. you, your sister, yeah, your mom, yeah. the other person, and her mom, yeah, and yeah. the other person. Yeah. And that's when y'all never went back after yeah. we had that encounter yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. And I think... I, and you know what it was? Because I had already left mentally a long time ago. So by the time we had that <laughs> meeting, I was like, my family still wanted to stay, I think is what it was. But I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I think y'all came from the church that day. I think so. Yeah, y'all never went probably, back. After, I probably. I y'all came yeah. from church and met us here. Yeah. And then you guys never went back after we had the little thing here. Yeah, yeah. But we had a, a pretty intense, uh, intense, <laughs> intense <laughs> session, and we talked and um, – you know, everybody was pretty vulnerable and we kind of just, you know, let it all out. But, um, yeah, after, after I just kind of saw myself in their eyes and I was just another number, I wasn't as special as I thought I was to them. Um, and it wasn't even just that, that made me leave, but it was also like, wow, you're not who I thought you were. You're actually not probably as close to God as I thought you were. You're actually not as Christian as I thought you were. And I've placed you on a pedestal in my life. I've looked up to you. I've idolized you. I've literally patterned a lot of the things I do after you, after a very specific person. There was one person I was very close with um, who we play volleyball together in school. She was like another big sister to me. And it was very special to me because when I did start joining, joining church, I was by myself. I was a 13-year-old trying to follow after God with a household that didn't support her because in the world they don't understand, they don't really understand. Like you would think that when a young child wants to follow after God that their family's going to support them because you're not out here in the streets, you're not doing drugs, you're not having sex at a really young age, but um no, I didn't have support. And obviously that's, you know, spiritual warfare, but um, it was very hard for me. And so to have a, I have two older sisters. I'm trying not to get emotional, but it's probably going to happen. Um, to have a, you know, someone who's like an older sister to you in the church, I was getting that support from them and that family that I really needed at that time because I didn't want to go home a lot of days because I knew it was just going to be so tough on me. Coming from church, mm, let's just stay out a little bit longer. <laughs> um, and so it's like, that and then, but what I quickly found out is that what they would do at this church is whenever you're new, they'll favor you a lot, um, favor you a ton. 
we'll, we'll celebrate you. Oh, it's your birthday. Let's celebrate you. Oh, come to this. We want you to come. And they'll give you gifts. And they'll really, like, make you feel like you're part of the family. And then once you've been there long enough and you're, like, included, you don't really get that special treatment anymore. Uh, it goes to the next new person that we want to include. And then, like, the more loyal you are, the more consistent you are, you just get pushed further back in line. Um, and so when you're in it, and it's, I think it's a form of love bombing now that I think about it, because when you're getting love bombed, that person showers you with gifts and they treat you super, super special. And then they like turn it off once they got you. That's pretty much what it was. Um, so maybe that's another red flag, love bombing in the church. You get all this special treatment. And then once you're locked in, you don't get it anymore, but you're stuck now because you're wanting that treatment and that feeling again. But now you're not even focused on God for real. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I come to church for God, but like now I'm not chasing that. I'm chasing them because I want that yeah, relationship. Yeah. They find the people that's vulnerable, the people yeah. that don't have families, the people yeah. that's new to Christ, the people that are weak to yeah. them, you know, and those are the people they know they can will in. Yeah. Um, I had, it's a situation of a um, ministry, a cult or whatever. And I was friends with the lady, but when she she knew how strong I was personality wise. So when she began to will all the young ladies in, I was mentoring, mm. she like cut me off mm. and then found out later on that she made them like, no, you can't go work for, um, one of them wanted to work for Nishan. You can't work for her. You can't go around the family. You can't go to her wedding, just things like that. Um, and this, it was, it's not a church. It's yeah. a, or just her organization or whatever she does. Um, so they find the weak and that person was in a vulnerable state, you know, looking for, you know, not the best home, yeah. you know, relationship with the mom. So yeah. you fill in and it's like, Oh, this, the mother I always wanted this, yeah. is, you know, that yeah. type of thing. And, um, and one thing I want to point out to people who have left or may hear this today and, and decided to leave, do not rush. Mm -hmm. to find another church home. Take mm -hmm. your time. Yeah. Take your time. Build with God because it's, it's not in the church. It's in you. Mm -hmm. The word you have to put in you. That's the relationship, you know, and that's what it's about. A relationship, mm -hmm. a relationship, all that religious stuff we do. He, this, he, that is too much. It's all about life with God is a relationship like you have with anybody else. And me, faith, believing that this is what his word said, mm -hmm. and I apply it to my life, and I see the results yeah. come to pass in my life. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. all. We yeah. make it so hard. We make it so difficult. We make it, we just do too much, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, this is it. Yeah. Um, another red flag, um, we've already hit on it like several times, but I kind of just want to say it straightforward. Um, cutting off your support system. Um, anyone who you know, wants to cut off your support system and become your support system. That's mm -hmm. a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, a lot of times, prey on young, vulnerable individuals um, and will literally separate them from their family. Mm -hmm. I can't really tell you how they did it. Um, I just know that they get close enough, they have an influence, and they make your parents out to be the enemy. Now, that wasn't my experience um, because I came willingly without my family. Um, but... They'll literally, cause you'll, you know, whatever, if your home's not perfect, you'll confide in mm -hmm. your leadership. Mm -hmm. Who's going to give you quote unquote, godly, you know, counsel. And they agree with you and they make your family out to be an enemy. And then they become your support system. I literally remember there were, um, these <laughs> individuals who didn't have the best, um, home life 
And I just literally remember hearing somebody say from that family, we got to get them out of there. And I'm just like, how y'all going to snatch them from their family like that? Because then what? We're going to get them out of there, then what? They going to come to your home? Where are they going to live? Where are they going to stay? And it's like just because their families fighting their own demons doesn't mean that you need to be a rescuer or a savior. You don't know what God's doing. You know what I'm saying? They're not getting beat. They're not, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to minimize any kind of um, abuse because there's emotional abuse. There's, you know, verbal abuse. But who are you to try to step in and be Jesus in somebody's life? That's exactly the person I was just speaking of. That's exactly what happened to her. So she, she, when I was mentoring, she was telling me, you know, like my parents and she cried about her parents. And I used to, this is my advice to her. When your parents leave out their house, you go in their room, Mm -hmm. you pray in their room, Mm -hmm. you pray worshiping. Mm -hmm. And she did exactly that. She pulled her, you need to get away from them. You're going to be this like them and pulled her right out of there and moved her in with her. So yeah, she moved her in with her. And, um, but then it became, because at the time her husband was in the army, she had just got married. Mm-hmm. He was going away with the army. So now okay. she became the dog sitter, mm-hmm. the this, the that. Okay. And, and I said, I told them, I said, someone show up in a state mm-hmm. that they're not from. Mm-hmm. And they said they had a, a husband and a kid and don't have either one. You meet a man here, you get married. Your kid is an adult mm-hmm. and you have no relationship with him. And you telling me it's because of your husband that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Your kid is grown. So whatever your husband done, why don't you have a relationship with your kids? How are you out here rescuing all these other kids and you don't have nothing with your child? And that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, I'd add to that. Um, what well, one of the quali- qualifications for a pastor is to have your house in order, right? Um, red flag, looking at their family. What's their family dynamic? Because if he doesn't have his house in order, if he doesn't have his family dynamic together, everybody has problems. But what's really going on? (laughs) You know, if it's looking kind of crazy and this is the person you're allowing to lead you, Mm -hmm. mm, maybe let's reevaluate, you know? So did you get your mom out? Um, We all left together. Mm -hmm. By the time we left, we were all in the right mind on one accord because the way I was raised is family over everything. And I've been taught that since birth. Um, And so when it came down to the nitty gritty um, and it came down (laughs) to make that decision, my core values that my family instilled in me, they couldn't shake it. And I, you know, I got to the point where, um, you know, I'm making decisions within myself and I'm warring between what I should do because I'm feeling these urges from God. But then at the same time, it's conflicting with the things that I see. And at the same time, it's conflicting with what I've been brought up on all my life. And when, yeah. And when it came down to it, I was like, you know what? It's family over everything. And that's what I always encourage people. And that's what I've always encouraged some of the younger individuals, um, that were going to the church. I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, your family wants what's best for you. That's who's always going to be there to support you. Don't turn your back on your family. And when you look, and I always tell people, (laughs) I always tell people, who could be more God-ordained for you than your family? This is literally the family he allowed you to be born into. This is a support system that he gave you. So it's like, you know, everybody, you know, has different experiences, but I just, I don't believe in turning your back on your family. And that was the scenario they were putting a lot of young individuals in. And so I would always encourage them. And it's funny now because the same individual who um, I gave that scenario of, we caught up later and um, they reached out to me and they were like, yeah, you know, remember, you know, you used to tell me this. I see what you mean now. I now see what you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Same thing you said. Like, I didn't see it at first until it started. Yeah. When it was over. Yeah. Yeah. There's two things. Um, one, I wanted to say, like, kudos to you for being a 13-year-old girl who 
wanted to know God, didn't really know God, didn't come from a household that served God. And your intentions were pure. Mm -hmm. You wanted your family to go to church. And even though you guys went through this hardship, now your family is serving God, thankfully. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. kudos to you um, just for taking that first step and being the, the leader of the household in that moment. And then I also wanted to ask, what can you say to somebody who wants to leave um, but is afraid of the backlash they might get from the church or afraid of the emotional, um, I guess, just the, the emotions they will go through as they leave the church. How do they deal with that hurt, that pain? Um, I guess, and get back to it, get back, pick themselves up again, get to love themselves again and know God for themselves. Yeah. Well, I would definitely first start off by saying that better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Um, it's always scary in the beginning. And I think when you look in the Bible, obviously people were doing outrageous stuff, putting babies in baskets and sending them down the river <laughs> with alligators in it. That's scary. And you know, we're not doing that today, but, there's you're going to have those versions of those experiences in your own life. That's just a part of the walk. And I think you have to weigh your options. You have to weigh what's once you realize what it really is and what the scenario is and the situation that you're in, you got to really weigh your options. Do I really want to stay at this church that don't really love me, don't really appreciate me? It's probably going to lead me straight down to hell. Or do I want to take a step and get away and actually, you know, spend time with God and find something that's better. Um, you have to weigh your options. And nine times out of ten, usually um, the scarier thing is probably going to be what's best. Because it's like if you think about, okay, you go through that evaluation. Like, okay, is this the world telling me this? Is God telling me this? Is the devil? Is it my flesh? And it ends up God every single time. Just go with it. Whether it's Step scary. comfort. Yeah. Step out the comfort because, zone. Yeah, because nine times out of ten, God's going to put you in an uncomfortable position anyway. And that's going to keep happening. So I say just do it and don't wait too long. Because I've seen people get the go from God to leave a place, didn't listen, stayed longer, and they ended up going through more pain mm -hmm. that God literally would have shielded them from. They would have never experienced. And it's like... Now you're real hurt. Now you really got to go. Mm -hmm. And now you have to deal with all this extra stuff mm -hmm. that if you would have just left a year sooner or when God told you, you would have been straight. You say delayed obedience is disobedience. Yep. <laughs> but before we wrap up, I want you to share, like, um, because how did it affect you? And more your sister, mm -hmm. uh, because it affected your sister on a way different level. You yeah. you were more tougher about it. And, um, yeah. you know, did it, did it make you angry? You know, but tell people, like... Like people have to go to counseling yeah. after things yeah. like this. Yeah. Is that serious? Yeah. Um, it definitely affected all of us differently. Um, really differently. Me, I was really mad um, because I look back and I'm like, wow, y'all really had me doing this, praising y'all more than I was my own family. And it just had me mad because I felt like somebody had influenced me so much to the point where I wasn't even over my own decision making. I was very mad, but thankfully we were <laughs> in lockdown because I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take the time. I need to be mad in this house. So when I go outside, <laughs> you know, I'm good. Um, but it affected us all differently. I was very mad. I think we were all mad. My mom was very upset because here, you know, she has her kids in this church and she thinks she's doing the right thing, which yeah, taking your kids to church is the right thing. But in this scenario, she's like, all this stuff is happening under my nose and I never knew. And I can't imagine what that feels like as a mom, your whole life, you're protecting your children and they're getting all levels of abuse right under your nose, right under the people that you trust to take care of them, probably even more than you can. Um, 
So, and then my sister, uh, I don't know. I think she was really hurt. She probably wasn't as mad as I was, but I think she was just really hurt initially because that's also her support system. Those are all her friends. You know, these are people she went to high school with. Like, that's how close we were. This is a very small church. That's how close we were. Everybody went to high school and everybody that was leaving, you know, are people that she grew with. Um, so I think it really hurt her also because I'm her younger sister. Um, so it definitely was kind of like kind of the same thing with my mom, like my younger, you know, the one I'm watching over and all this kind of stuff. So she was also really upset about that. But at the same time, we were going through it together because we're only three years apart. So we're in the youth group at the same um, time. She was doing what she could to kind of shield me from the thing. So when I say that God shielded me, my sister also was a part of that because there was a lot of things that I didn't experience because she just kind of kept me away from it. Um, but it hurt us all in different ways. And we all had to kind of deal with that. Um, and we actually didn't go back to church, a church for like another year. So we took our time for sure. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And if I, we was even. No, I was just going to ask about the sister was, did your sister hang with one of those sisters or, um, they did at some point, there was definitely like a friend group. Um, around their age. So, uh, what if I'm like 17, they're like 20. So there was like a 20 year old friend group that was happening. Um, and they were all in the same grade. They kind of just all came from high school and just went to church and went to adulthood. Um, and they definitely hung, but it's one of those things where it's like, when you're inside a friend group, you get closer, you make a smaller friend group within the friend group. And, you know, you start to kind of maybe, not like certain things about other people in the friend group, which is why you have the smaller friend group. Um, and that was kind of her support system. But even that, you know, friendship kind of fell apart even after we left the church just because it wasn't, you know, people go their own ways and it kind of wasn't really founded on the best yeah. foundation. Um, but yeah, they were definitely friends, but not really, <laughs> not really the whole time. So would you say the, the whole church break was COVID. Like that's when everybody probably been invited. Yeah. yeah. So basically the church that I attended wasn't really smart financially. And so, um, it got to the point where because of some of their financial decision-making that they actually couldn't keep a church and it closed. Um, but, um, yeah, I would say probably about half the congregation left after COVID, um, which means less money coming in. Um, and it got to the point where, and I was so outdone with this. It got to the point where they were literally asking people to donate their um, compensation for COVID. <laughs> what, what was that called again? Stimulus. The stimulus checks. And they were like, yeah, we want everybody to donate. What What was it, like 1000 like $1,500? Or yeah, 1200 We were like, yeah, we think everybody can get 1200 you know, da-da-da. And it's just kind of like, this is literally money the government is giving people because they know we're all down bad. And you asking us to give it to the church. How inconsiderate. Wow. Yeah, literally, that's how bad it got. Um, and then they just didn't, they made poor decisions and eventually the church closed. And it probably wasn't only you that's seen it. It's probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and little by little, um, people left. 
you know, it, it, and we were used to people leaving um, and they would just be marked as backsliders and they really wouldn't take a following with them. But I think that God did a lot of things during COVID. Um, I think it was, I don't know why COVID happened, but I think that it was a great opportunity for God to separate his people from the things that they, those ill things that they were attached to, those parasites that were attached to them. Um, and that's really what this church was. It was a parasite to the people at the church. Um, and so, uh, yeah, half the church left and then groups left, families left. So at the end, did it only seem about money? Um, yeah, it was about money. It was about pride. Wow. And for as money, like, um, what we don't know is like tithing. It's like you get to tithe, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus being preached to about, you know, yeah, yeah. um, God told us and I tithe because that's what God told me to do. Get my 10%. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have the 90 if it wasn't for him, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's the difference. But when you're passing the offering bucket around time at the time, or are you spent? And we don't, we don't, I guess, talk enough about, because God did talk about, mm-hmm. t- and it's like, he don't need it. Yeah. It's really just a part of obedience, yeah. you know? Uh, and, but to be judged by it or yeah. be condemned yeah. by telling you, you have to tie. So if I can leave with any takeaways, I will say, um, if you are connected to a church that you are praising man mm-hmm. more than God, that's a problem, you know, um, then you should look into that. You know, if you're being asked to do, you know, give, give me your purse, you know, empty it out, you know, those things like these are things and to can I add one more thing yes I would definitely say evaluate the fruit of the church my church was very um what I've always known is you know you give to God you can never outgive God right you give you get blessed now giving isn't about receiving but God will bless Mm -hmm. you know um my church never really advanced financially and I don't think that's because God wanted to keep us poor but I just think it was, it, I think if a lot of people within our church probably would have been blessed to the extent that they would have liked to, it probably would have quickly became a prideful thing. But at the same time, if we're being led by someone who has ill intentions, I don't think the congregation as a whole is going to be blessed a certain way. Mm-hmm. So y'all seen the money going in the wrong direction? Um, You know, it's like you do, but then you don't acknowledge it. All of a sudden, the first lady has like lubricants and you're like, how can you afford that? Because people literally like walking to church, don't have a car. And it's like you'll you'll hear people say, oh, you know, I'm not going to be the pastor that has a driving in a Benz and, you know, somebody, you know, got a broke down, you know, Toyota, blah, 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 whatever. But it's like, but you're doing that, though. And other things like, why do you have an LV bag? Like, where's that coming from? You know, and it's like not that you can't have it, but. That's where my tides is going. That's another thing. Now, I do have um, people think, t- this is how I feel. If I'm if I'm preaching God's word, mm-hmm. and he told me that I am to be prosperous, mm-hmm. if I'm a pastor, I'm going to need you not to be focused on what I got. Because a lot of pastors today mm-hmm. make money off. A lot of pastors are authors. Mm-hmm. A lot of pastors speak. Mm-hmm. Like, they have different means of, but... In your situation, in a church like that, most definitely, you know, where you seeing like, okay, you went from here to, you know, y'all went from here to here, yeah. which you all said after they got with us, they, they hold everything changed (laughs) what they started buying. But, um, in that situation, 
even my church, my pastor and them are not into that, but mm-hmm. I do know pastors that have things. And that's the, you know, the first thing we, yeah. that's why I said, yeah. don't ever get caught up on yeah. that, but get caught up on, I'm not tithing because of this pastor. I'm tithing yeah. because the word of God told me yeah. to tithe, yeah. you know, I, yeah. and again, yeah. I don't have to, I get the opportunity yeah. to tithe, yeah. you know, and that's the way we should look at it. Mm-hmm. It's no more mm-hmm. a conviction once Jesus mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. now I just get the opportunity to yeah. do it. Yeah. And it's like, you can have nice things, but it's like, why is there still a hole in the ceiling? You got lubricants on. You see what yeah. I'm saying? That's yeah. what I'm talking about. You're yeah. not using the money for what it was initially yeah, given yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. You so. said that in the beginning, like it was kind of broken in certain spots were. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot, a lot. But thank you for your, um, just for being vulnerable and helping somebody else who might not even have realized they were in a cult or yeah. Yeah. Um, experiencing church hurt, hurt or how to get out of it. Because um, this is a very vulnerable state to be in right now. Um, cause a lot of people might know you or might not, you know, know you, but to speak out about the things that God cares about to save his children. Um, yeah. Thank you, you for doing that. Should do that. Yeah. yeah. You have any takeaways? Um, Stan, you go, you can go. Just be careful what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Uh, I guess pay attention to more than the people you are looking up to make sure somebody else giving you the okay. Well, they do seem all right or. So just be careful what you get yourself into. But people know that in their heart. I do believe that. I believe when you all in that situation, you know it's not right in your heart, but you choose to keep the blinders on because mm-hmm. I, I feel good here. I, yeah. I want to belong, you know. So when you have that nudge, be obedient to the nudge in your yeah, spirit. Absolutely. Our, our self, our spirit always tell us, no, this is the way to go. Turn mm-hmm. right, turn left, you mm-hmm. know. And we say, something told me. Yeah, something yeah. did tell you, yeah. you know, and you ignored it. Yeah. Yeah, beyond your gut, yeah. it's people. Like some people yeah. pop up out of nowhere. Like, hey, you don't think yeah. that's right, or yeah. and then you probably like she said, you shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that ain't yeah. that ain't what they, they saying. Get or that. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. yeah, you got to stay open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna add to that. <laughs> I'm not trying to extend the conversation, no, <laughs> but yeah, I was just good. gonna say that happened a lot. I would see something that I knew was wrong, and I would be like, ah, oh, well, you know, that's that's you know, this person. They probably it's probably not what I saw. Or, or, you know, giving people the benefit of that, having grace, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. See somebody give somebody a really nasty attitude. Well, maybe they had a good reason for that. Well, maybe this. Oh, it's the first lady. She wouldn't really. And it's like, you do see something wrong, but you dismiss it. And I should have been, in a way, doing that with other things instead of trying to defend them. I should have been doing it, you know, the other way around. Mm-hmm. But it is what it Just, is. Uh, he says, stand up for those who don't stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. He tell us to stand in that gap, you know, because pe- it's people that won't stand up for themselves. So yeah. that's a good one, you know. But just like he tell us, don't sit down and try to eat with all the rich people. Sometimes yeah. sit down and get you a poor person because we treat people lower like that yeah. versus Indian flock yeah. to what's big. So, yeah, yeah we absolutely. have to all be careful about that. Yeah. Okay. My, my takeaway before we wrap up. Um, is that it's okay to have a relationship with Jesus and still go to therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make sure you seek godly counsel um, yeah. in all that you do. And therapy is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Go to therapy yeah. <laughs> and still love Jesus. That's mm-hmm. my takeaway. That's good. Okay, we appreciate everybody listening. And next time. <laughs>